Blog Talk Radio. Africa, you're not a yeti. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, as a people, we once lived in peace and harmony. The wicked PFS man rustled the rank and file with anarchy. Papa was plotted like a goat in a butchery. Mama was raped like a whore in total misery. Boomaye, boomaya. Boomaye, boomaya. Chase them out cause them too filthy. Mabrak, 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 mabrak. Strike them out just like them cast a blasphemy. Them desecrated the holy lands at Timbuktu, Lalibela, Duri, Gaga, Gaga, Duri. Chase them out, out of Duri, Gaga, Gaga, Duri, Duri, Gaga. Gaga, Duri, Duri, Gaga, Gaga, Duri. Africa, you're not a Africa, you're not a Africa, you're not a Yo, Rasta, now they're back again. Anchor, Missy Wangwano, now our Biomo. In Africa, we sit on gold, yet we never gain. Yeah, man, we sit on diamond, yet we go through pain. Dusty Chinese man, thief with diamond, gold and tin, and only laugh and drink champagne. Our misleaders, who say that we lead us? Only bitches, we, and feel no shame. African people are eating more Chinese food now than Chobodon plantain. Chinese man, gone down with indigenous, just like them one insane. Everywhere you go now, black people persona, cheap Chinese imitation like sugarcane. No wonder now, the churches in Africa sing Chinese hymns and fire up to him. Africa, We are celebrating and commemorating 65 years of African Liberation Day and 75 years of Palestine and Akbar Day, 2023. As well as commemorating and celebrating this great institution of African Liberation Day and being a co-sponsor of this special program under the banner of the All-African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC, we'd like to welcome everyone to our ongoing African Liberation Day activity. This year's theme is Pan-Africanism, Ways and Class Struggle in Africa and the Diaspora, Fighting for One Unified Socialist Africa. That's the overall thoughts of the theme for this year's African Liberation Day. But as part of African Liberation Day, like always, it's an institution that seeks liberation and freedom for Africa, African people, and all oppressed people. And we have a special program today where we can talk about the story. Yes, we could talk about the story, the Ali Saab case in international law, the Ali Saab case in international law.
This is we're going to dedicate this program today under the banner of this year, African Liberation Day. And we hope that you stay with us and get to understand what's going on and how important this case is to not only to Venezuela, but to the whole world. And we're going to do this with our interviewer, Brother Bamboshi Shango, who is an organizer for the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC, and he will introduce our special guest. So at this point in time, we're going to turn the mic over to Brother Bamboshi, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon. And Brother Bamboshi, the mic is yours. Uh, good afternoon, Brother Lee, and good afternoon to our Brother William Kamakara there. Uh, to your audience, we thank you for listening to us today and hope that we have the opportunity to give you information that you may never get from the corporate media. Uh, I just want to say quickly that the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, on its website from December 18, 2022, presented an article called Free Alex Saab, which I encourage everybody to read. Today's guest, our brother William Kamakaro, Venezuelan-American, is a national coordinator of the Free Alex Saab Committee. He was co-founder of the Bolivarian Circles of New York, Albert Lovien, senior analyst for the Center of Hemispherical Affairs, COHA. He holds a master's degree of fine art and master degree in Latin American literature from City University of New York. Williams as, William has published in Monthly Review, Counterpunch, COHA, and Afro-American Magazine, Ecology, Oriental Tribune, and other venues. He has organized delegations to Ecuador, Bolivia, and Venezuela. Please welcome William Kamakara. Thank you. Thank you, Mbusi. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. The mic is yours. Go ahead, brother. Can you give us an update on what's going on, and then we'll go from there? Yes. <clears throat> Just let me um, start talking a little bit about this case, uh, the case of Alexa. It's a very um, <clears throat> unique, uh, strange, and also it's basically a case that is um, connected to the USA sanctions. Everybody should know that there are more than 40 countries under sanctions by United States all over the planet. Among those, there are around 15 countries in Africa, four countries in this continent, uh, several other countries in Asia, so it's a, it's a 40, 40, a little more than 40 countries that represent almost a third 
of the population of the planet. So <clears throat> Alexa is um, originally from Palestine. He, his nationality is uh, from Colombia. He became uh, Venezuelan a few years ago. He was a um, businessman working in Colombia and was a rich man in Colombia when he decided to move to Venezuela. <clears throat> Alexa is accused by United States of the money laundry, and he is right now in a federal court in Miami, and <clears throat> have been there already a little more than two, almost two years, and he will be in prison this coming June 12, three years. So Alexa has not be has not commit any crime. He didn't. Uh, did any money laundering. Basically, his biggest crime is that he was avoiding the USA sanctions in behalf of the Venezuelan people and was trying to get food, um, fuel, and also medical stuff during the pandemic into uh, for Venezuela. Uh, <clears throat> He was detained in June 12, in 2020, in Kaver, when he was traveling from Iran to Venezuela. He had to make a stop in Kaver to refill their tank, their airplane tank, when he was detained there by the Interpol. The Interpol at that moment lied. They lied because they said that they have a red alert, and there was not any alert against him and <clears throat> he was detained there. He was maybe eight months over there in Cape Verde and then was was sent to United States, extradited to United States. For most of us was kidnapped. He was kidnapped in Cape Verde and then he was kidnapped by United States and now he is in in Florida. During his time in Cape Verde he was tortured. He was beaten and he lost several teeth. He was also receiving threats from several officials from the United States. People that were traveling to Cape Verde to basically torture him. And why they were torturing him? Because basically they wanted to know they wanted to know what is kind of network Venezuela have to avoid the sanctions, to get, you know, gasoline, to get gas, to get food, and to get medicine. And they wanted to get that, no, to, they wanted to know that network because uh, they wanted to sanction all those people that were working in the network, or basically dismantle the entire network. To, uh, that was the main reason for them to detain Alex Stav in Kaver. <clears throat> so after um he wasn't able to, he had been unable to see his wife, his daughter, he had two daughters. Uh, one of them 
when he was detained was few months or uh, few months old uh, so he basically don't remember him very well and um he's during this time his his parents have died so he was he had not been able to see them to, to see anyone from his family and at the same time he's someone that is a survival of cancer and he had not been receiving any medical treatment since he was detained in Caber during these last three years. So his situation is very difficult. Uh, so the United States was also requesting him, and among other things, requesting him to accuse President Maduro of narcotraffic and then they will release him in the United States. That was one of the um, requests from those people that were torturing him in Cape Verde. Uh, always he has been denied any wrong stuff from the Venezuelan government, from the President Maduro government. He even has been writing letters endorsing from Yale, endorsing Maduro in his government and saying that Maduro is trying just to survive the USA sanctions. Because as you all know, maybe you all know, that more than 100,000 Venezuelans have died as a consequence of the USA sanctions. Uh, the USA sanctions have been... Just, just, just let me give you an example how horrible are these uh, sanctions. You, um, I have, and right now, I have to say, in Valencia, in Venezuela, and basically, I have been able to see here that when poor people die, what most of the people are doing is that they, and die, and die in the hospital, what they do is that they visit the body, they just surround the body, they pray, and they disappear. They left. They you know they don't have money to pay the bury to bury the loved one. And they don't have money even to pay for the incineration. So what happened is that they go out. They left. The, they they are not able to get the body and and bury the body and do anything. So they just go see the, the person, the low one, and they disappear, and then the hospital had to bury them. So most of those people, they say, have buried, buried them in, a, um, how do you say, common grave, grave, um, <clears throat> uh, bambusi, how do you say, it's a, a common um, grave? Unmarked graves. Yes. Unmarked graves. No great in the cemetery, and they have been putting yeah. hundreds of bodies in those graves in the cemetery. Where and then, and you will see, you will be able to see how many people are there in the name. But that's it. There are a bunch of people in one place buried. And this is part of the economy warfare. This is part of the war, because basically sanctions are a war. As uh, the CPR, the, the 
the you know the economy policy for research in Washington D.C. more than a hundred thousand. That's a lot. Children, people that don't have medicine to get, uh, for example, because they are diabetic, they are not able to get the medicine. People that are not able to get, for example, pill to control the the um, pressure, the high pressure. Uh, you know, people that have chronic sicknesses are dying. Excuse uh, me, brother. Excuse yes. me. You, you're saying that this many people have died in Venezuela because of the U.S. sanctions on Venezuela? Yes, this is something that is this is a research paper that was published by the Economic Policy Research just a few years ago, like two years ago. So they published one first, and they were talking about 40,000, and then later after that, the first one, they published another research paper saying that more than 100,000 people had died in Venezuela as a consequence of the sanctions. Um, and, and well, and basically that was the job of Alexa. It was in a pandemic time, traveling all over and trying to get food, trying to get medicine, and trying to get fuel. Because Venezuela, yes, it's an oil country, has some of the biggest refineries of the planet. But the reality is that some of the chemicals that are used to process the oil, Venezuela was unable to get them because the country was under sanctions. No one wanted to provide those chemicals to Venezuela. So the refineries under 2020 were completely stopped. Venezuela was not producing gasoline. That was a very, very difficult moment. The lines were very long to to, to buy some food and the supermarket, and then most of the time was empty at that time. And and basically, there was no gasoline in the country. And the gas and, and you and in my case, for example, I made a line to get the, to to fill the tank of the of my car here, and for three days, and I had to turn with my brother. So I was one day waiting in the line. And another day was my brother waiting in the line to get gasoline. And the line was huge. So that, was, that is the kind of war that the United States is uh, basically, you know, putting, you know, the United States basically had this kind of war against 40 countries of them around the entire planet. In the case of Venezuela, so they want the oil resources of this country. Venezuela have a, a, a lot of gold, also gold, and, uh, and, and some other minerals that are very strange. And so they want those um, resources, especially in a moment the United States is losing its hegemony. They are desperate to put their hands. And all those resources now not only are in Venezuela, but also in the entire continent. Even in, in, you know, there are some very, very um, strange minerals in Haiti that are used for uh, uh, airplanes and, and very high technology that the United States 
just want to control those resources in Haiti. And, and the, for a lot of people in Haiti, they basically think that the president of Haiti was killed by the United States because they want those resources that are under the soul of Haiti. And because the, the, the president that was killed was negotiating with Russia. That's the basic thing. That's why he was basically killed. Uh, but, yes, in Venezuela, there are a lot of resources. And also, uh, in this case, in Venezuela, Venezuelan people have been paying a big price because they want to be independent. And, and people are resistant. resistant the blockade that has been causing all these deaths in, in the country. So Alexa was providing Venezuela with food, fuel, and medical stuff when he was detained. And he was at that moment a diplomat. So the international law said that a diplomat cannot be detained. So he was detained because he was a bit. And he was detained, tortured, and and he was extradited from Cabo Verde to Venezuela. Cabo Verde, don't, you know, they don't have any extradition agreement with the United States. So they even violated their own law to extradite Alexa to the United States. And, and basically because the United States offered them, you know, Cabo Verde, for those that don't know, it's a very small, very small country. So they offered them for $400 million, uh, and they built, They are building right now the biggest USA embassy in Africa that in the near future will be the biggest uh, engine of the economy in Cape <laughs> So they want that money. They want that embassy there. So because they will be operating everything in Africa in the near future from that embassy in Cape So then, uh, yes, uh, basically, um, Alexa was uh, sent to the United States. Now he's there. He is not receiving medical treatment at all. He has not been able to see any doctor. Uh, he uh, has not been able to see any family member, and and also he uh, is uh, for us in Venezuela, for people in Venezuela. Alexa is basically a war prisoner and also a political prisoner in the United States. Uh, and that's part of this economic warfare that the United States has against uh, the Venezuelan people. So, um, Alexa has, you know, we have a book that, uh, it's a book of letters that he, he has been writing from from the jail. And basically, in most of those letters, he, he, he basically speaks very well about President Maduro and everything that he's doing to to survive the sanctions. And 
being in the, the the other very interesting thing is that all the we can go over all the illegalities. So they are detaining uh, someone that is a diplomat without any uh, without any red alert from the Interpol. They are torturing a uh, torturing a diplomat. Uh, also, they uh, extradite someone from uh, from Africa to United States, despite uh, the uh, the the court, the court of the African Union, basically says that he has to be at that moment. They say that he has to be released, and they have to pay some uh, reparations of $300,000 to Alexa. Despite that, despite that the African Union Court decides that he has to be released and that they have to pay reparations, he was sent to United States, extradited to United States. So, of course, all the money from the United States was in the middle. Also, even Pompeo, in his last book, in his book, memoir, in his memoir, he said that um, they, they, he said very proudly that in the book that they knew that Alexa was doing all kind of business in behalf of Venezuelan government, and they, and they were looking for the way to stop him. And as soon as they see the possibility to detain him in Kaber, they immediately start to call to Kaber. And that was the same day that he was detained. He said, you know, Pompeo, Pompeo said that in his, in his memoir, the same day he, he learned that, that Alexa was traveling from Iran, he was in direction to Kaber. And the same day they called to Kaber and requested them to detain Alexa. In, in the island. So uh, uh, it's very it's very tough for him because in the in the way that as I mentioned his parents died many times in 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 those in these three years and also his brother and and it's a big drama for his family. I for the country. I have to say that in the, in the 2020, it was here in Venezuela. And when that happened, the situation was so ugly because there was no gasoline at all. People were basically uh, cooking with firewood in the countryside. And in most of the places, even in some areas in Caracas, people didn't have gas, so they were cooking with uh, firewood. When uh, suddenly six you remember, huge big ships came from Iran with gasoline, and and those six big ships that came at that moment with gasoline, the guy that was behind those ships was Alexander, and at that moment he was already detained by United States. Um, he was basically detained less than one month later that he make a deal with Iran to send those big ships to of gasoline to Venezuela. 
So that was something also that no one you know, was incredible to believe that first Venezuela didn't have gasoline, and secondly that another country like Iran was sending gasoline to Venezuela. In a moment, the Maduro was basically uh, they haven't they, at that moment Maduro was in a very bad shape. Was questioning of surviving that you know when he got those uh, big ships he was able to to survive that moment in his government. And, and of course, uh, United States doesn't forgive that. And that's why Alex is in prison right now. He's, um, as I mentioned, he's not receiving medical treatment at all. And also, in, when he, in the last, when the last uh, trial happened in Miami, the judge said several things that were very funny. First, basically, basically that they run, that they not recognize President Maduro. They recognize the USA government recognized Juan Guaido as the president of Venezuela, and that's why he was not he not recognize that um, Alex Ha was a diplomat because. For United States, the president was Guaido, but now Guaido is not the president anymore. And and also the more the most uh, funny thing about that is that at that moment when they just said that the USA government don't recognize doesn't recognize uh, Maduro as a president, the funny thing is that already several members of the Biden administration visit Caracas to meet with. President Maduro to try to get some oil, some gas, and some resources for Venezuela, for for United States, because in front of this uh, work that United States is confronting with Russia through Ukraine, this proxy war, so they need those resources. Not only United States, but also Europe. They need those resources. So they have been trying to negotiate those resources with Venezuela. But this is very key. This is very key. Why United States attacking Venezuela? Venezuela is facing more than almost 1,000 sanctions, more than 180 something sanctions, and and even um, some some Republicans like Marco Rubio, for example, in a meeting in Miami with the Venezuelan opposition. In Miami, he said, we have done everything possible again, Nicolás Maduro. We have been putting more sanctions in very brief time than any other country in the world. And in Venezuela already have more, we have imposed more sanctions even than Cuba. And we still have to put more sanctions to the Venezuelan government but we don't know when he we will be able to remove him from power. Because that was the question for the Venezuelan opposition in Miami, when he will be removed from power. And then he said, well, we don't know when. So in this attack, again, the Venezuelan people and the government of Venezuela, it's basically because Venezuela, in the moment that Chavez was the president, and then after Maduro, Venezuela was the founder of 
de UNASUR, the Union of South America countries, that confront the corporate interests of the United States. We are talking the Trans-Pacific. When you think that the NAFTA or ALCA, or whatever you want to call it, the NAFTA was not implemented, was because Chavez and other, other presidents of South America were opposing to the NAFTA. When the United States wasn't able to implement the Pacific, Pacific Partnership, that Obama was running until the last minute to get some kind of, to, lead, to, to have something in place, some kind of agreement for the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And when you think that was the UNASUR, the Union of South American countries, through at that moment President Chavez, that was confronting the partnership and saying we will not be signing that. So, and, and when basically Obama failed to get that agreement in place, is when China start to fly with his uh, economy agreement called, uh, how do you call it? La Ruta de la Seda. I forgot that. So the, the, la Ruta de la Seda. So China was able to put some kind of international economy agreement, and United States wasn't able to put in place uh, something to compete with China. That's why China now is basically becoming the first economy of the planet. So that is for United States something that we'll never forget. The Chavez was basically stopping all those free uh, trade agreements for United States, and and that's the price that the Venezuelan people are paying right now. Um, so and 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 that's why in the case of Alexa. In the case of Alexa, it's, it's, it's something very interesting because in the case of Alexa, they want everybody to know that this man that is in jail was a diplomat and is detained, and was a diplomat and was tortured, and 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 and, and also they want everybody to know that if they do any business on behalf of Venezuela something similar can happen to them. So it's basically a message that they are sending to the entire international community, to anyone that wants to cooperate or to help the Venezuelan government or any government that is under big pressure from the USA sanctions. So this case is very important because this case it's, it's basically it's going to create the, the precedent of, of things that the United States will be doing in the future against other countries without putting any, uh, you know, without respect any international law. I don't know if you have any question or anything to ask me, but I feel that this is a very emblematic case in the modern times, and we are starting to see more cases similar to Alexa 
uh, we had we know for example that uh, Ukraine tried to to uh, to try to get a, a Russian diplomat saying that was a war criminal. Uh, so, you know, we will see this war the United States implementing against the entire planet is going to extend to, diplom to the diplomatic war. It's, go it's going to be part of the, all those multilateral organizations, the UN, all these multilateral organizations, the Organization of American States, they will be under those pressure too. So we will be able to see in the future more diplomatic detained, more people in jail, because they are basically exercising the rights of diplomats. I, I would so, agree, brother. Uh, I, I think that sir? there are many people out here who have questions for you today, and I think uh, we will invite them to call in in a few minutes. We just wanted to also, what you have said is in that diplomacy, in diplomacy, it's a written law that diplomats cannot be prosecuted. Yeah. They're abstained from prosecution either by their host country or by any country because of their diplomatic status. And therefore, if you look at the United States, they have always hid their central intelligence agencies inside of the U.S. embassies because that gives them diplomatic protection. So for the U.S. to now come and rendition First of all, trafficking a diplomat from Africa, where they was holding them, to the United States, renditioned them, and is now saying that he doesn't deserve the right to be a diplomat, but who's the United States to determine who should be a Venezuelan diplomat? If Venezuela yeah. say he is their diplomat, then that's what he is. My brother, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, basically, uh, that's another issue. Okay? The one of the trials, one of the trials uh, in Miami, uh, the attorney was trying to say that the United States has the right because he's not recognized as a diplomat in the United States. That's not the problem here is that for them, is that Alex was not a diplomat in the United States. was a diplomat between Venezuela and Iran and the, and the African Union, so, and also in Russia, but not with the United States. So he, had no be, he has the right to be free because the, the, the international law is in his side. So it's it basically uh, the desperation of the empire that is in an agony and is trying to impose his will at any cost. And, and we need to be prepared because we will be able to see more craziness stuff coming from the United States. And in fact, we are now looking very closely at this proxy world 
with with Russia between Russia and and United States and and Ukraine and this is something that basically can take us to a, a horrible war in the use of the nuclear power this is something that could happen so and it's because the United States is not willing to accept that they are not anymore a single superpower in the planet. That now everything is going to be multipolar and everything has to be discussed and people have to be, you know, now more than ever, we need diplomats <laughs> and multilateral organizations. And United States is not happy with that. Is it true, my brother, that Alex Saab, while being held there in Miami, is sick and vomiting and is not getting treatment? Yeah, he's vomiting blood. He has stomach. He he got stomach cancer. He was uh, he had a surgery years ago, and he he's a survivor of cancer. And just uh, two, three months ago, he was vomiting blood. And sometimes he had those crises. He started to vomit blood. And he had not been receiving any treatment. I have to say uh, that the food uh, that he is getting is, what I understand is that it's very horrible. And, and also... Is right now isolated. Yeah, you also mentioned, my brother, that uh, what's happening with Alex Saab could also affect other activists and I guess also other diplomats. Could you yeah. uh, elaborate on that? Yes, basically, for example, in the case of, of for example, um, Cuba. Cuba have, um, have been, you know, facing the embargo for more than 60 years. And and basically, there are businessmen that they are willing to invest in Cuba. They want to, to build a hotel or work with the Cuban the medicine and for someone that doesn't have to be a diplomat, that start to work closely with the government of Cuba, for example, and something that Cuba is uh, have been very successful is in, in vaccines, creating vaccines, and, and also, uh, you know, if someone really wants to work with them in medical stuff, who face the same fate, uh, you know, than than Alexa. It, it's it's the, it's anyone that start to do any kind of of help any other country to avoid the USA or, or circumvent the USA sanctions will be in the same situation that Alexa. And and this is a, and that's the message that United States have been sending through this case. They want everybody to know that they cannot make any deal with any country 
that is under sanctions. I have also to say something that is sanctions is not it's a very uh, subtle way to say so, you know it's it's like euphemistic word. Uh, if you remember, Iraq was under sanctions, and all the cabinet was under sanctions. Uh, Saddam Hussein, he was sanctioned, and all his people working with him in, in Iraq were, were under sanctions. So in a euphemistic way to say that if you are under sanctions, if you are an individual that has a sanction for the United States, that basically is not a sanction. It's a death penalty, death sentence. So you are in the death sentence from the United States. Because that's what happened to the entire cabinet in Iraq. All of them were sanctions, and basically all of them were executed, from Saddam Hussein to the bottle. So to be in a sanction, to talk about sanctions, is to talk about extermination. So sanctions is a sort of worry, a very subtle way to mention, to say that you are in trouble. No. They want to exterminate you. They want to basically kill you, disappear your country. And, and anyone that is under one sanction for the United States basically, again, has a death sentence from the United States. So, and, and that's the way to do politics of the United States. I have always mentioned, I have always mentioned that when you talk about uh, the foreign policy of the United States, and, all, and you talk about this uh, sanctions and all the crime that they commit through the sanctions, you have to think about, you have to think about um, lynching. Because basically, what, how do you, what what you know when a country like Venezuela is surrounded by a bunch of other countries that are basically supporting and and and, and basically helping the United States in enforcing the sanctions the United States have been imposing to Venezuela. When you see that the entire continent, when after Chavez died, moved to the right. And suddenly, Venezuela was completely isolated, confronting not only the United States, but also confronting the entire region that were enforcing those sanctions, that, you know, that sentence coming from the United States. So how you can call that lynching? That was a lynching. They wanted to lynch Venezuela. And then foreign policy in the United States is based on racism. It's based in the, in, the, in the lynching and the criminality that they were able to commit against black people in the United States for decades, for centuries. So that's why we need to be more conscious about the history of the United States because everything that happened in the United States, everything, everything that they organized, and the foreign policies is connected to USA history of exploitation of blacks and the indigenous people there. So in the case of Venezuela, yes, in the case of Cuba, how 
you know, Cuba has been isolated for, or they have been trying to isolate Cuba for 60 years. They have been trying basically to exterminate, to kill the, the Cuban and, and, the, and the nationality. That's basically all this member the country. That's what they have been trying to do over here. This member, you know, made this country in several pieces. So uh, several small republics controlled by different, different other countries that are, you know, that were very close to the United States. They have tried that here in Venezuela. So that, that's why I, I'm getting back to Alexa. I think that the Alexa case is extremely important because it's a case that is going to affect entire um, foreign policy. Oh, and that everybody has to be aware. Every country has to be aware that their own diplomat can be detained by United States. My, my brother, let me ask you on another subject. Uh, yeah. Many of the black people here, the Africans in the United States, see Alex Saab as a political prisoner. And as you know, there's a number of political prisoners here in the United States. The most well-known are probably Mumia Abu-Jamal. Yeah. Our brother Alamin used to be H. Rap Brown. And, of course, yeah. Leonard Peltier. But do you have you received any statements of support from our political prisoners here and as Alex Saab reached out to any of the other political prisoners in the United States? Yes, uh, that's a good question. I have been trying to get in touch with Herico, that is the organization that the Herico that basically is formed by a fight for the liberation of the political prisoners in the United States. So we want uh, Alexa to be included in, in the struggle that Herico is always organizing in the United States. We think that will be extremely important, definitely, to get uh, a statement from, uh, you know, former political prisoner. Already we have Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was a political prisoner from... Puerto Rico, and he is also helping us in this campaign to support Alexa. But also, it would be great to get other former political prisoners to support Alexa and to get Herico to support us to see what we can do. And people also working against, uh, working for the freedom of the political prisoners. I think that there are very good lawyers that, have, that are very well known for their work made to, for the political prisoners in the United States. So we need those people to, you know, to help us to support uh, Alexa. It would be great if we can get some kind of statement, public statement, from some of them in support of Alexa. Definitely. Well, my brother... It's getting close to uh, 7 o'clock here in Oklahoma, and 
I think, 8 o'clock in D.C., and the station has to take a station break. And when we come back, we would like to open the phones for people who have questions. Could you hang on for a minute while we do the station break and then uh, go to the telephones for questions? Okay, yes, definitely. Okay, see thank you. you. <laughs> All right. This is Brother Africa, Africa on the Moon. We're celebrating, commemorating 65 years of African Liberation Day and 75 years of Palestine in Akbar Day. We're going to take this break. We're going to pause for this cause. And when we come back, we will continue the discussion with our brother Will Kamakara as it relates to the question, why Al-Assad case in international law? If you have any comments or questions, we ask you to please hit one, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers when we return. This is Africa on the Move. Mama, I dedicate this song to you. Wherever you day, my mama, I just want to say thank you. Our mama, I just sing this song for you. Wherever you day, my mama, I just want to say thank you. For the things you they do for me, for the blessings you rain on me. Sometimes I lose my way, but you feel the prayer for me, the sacrifice for me. Oh yeah, yeah, mama, God bless you, oh mama. Yeah, me sure, oh mama. Where you hustle for my kids Nine months for the belly no be easy But you end your deep pain for my sake One try me sick Woman, yeah, Mama, woman, yeah Woman, yeah Do it in a woman, yeah Mama, God bless you, Mama Yeah, me sure, Mama God bless you, Mama The blessings you rain on me Sometimes I lose my way But you feel the prayer for me The sacrifice for me Oh yeah, yeah, mama
question looking at international law. At this point in time, we're returning back for those who may have comments or questions. We will open up our phone line at 323-679-0841. If you're on the board, please hit one, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. Please hit one if you have any question comments. We are now open for discussions through question and comments with Brother Will. Brother Balboji, I'll get a mic back to you, and I think we have a caller right now. We're going to bring in caller. The last four numbers are 7236-7236. The mic is yours. 
just called Sunday Good evening. Yes, good evening. Thank you. I have a comment, and it's concerning um, uh, in U.S. law, the outrageous lies that it posed on Venezuela is an extraordinary threat. And I understand that um, a gentleman that is a investigator or a retired investigator for the UN had said that the US indictment against Saj Saab alleges that as far back as twenty eleven he was involved in paying for bribes. When a country like the US has the world's dominant financial system, you can, when it suits you, act as if you have jurisdiction over the whole world. The financial power is the key to making US sanctions so devastating. For example, out of fear of violating US sanctions, the Swiss Bank US B blocked payments that Venezuela made to the United Nations COVAX program to purchase purchase COVID-19 vaccines. And uh, in addition, um, the reality is that if someone were to do this to the U.S., it would be clearly a violation. Uh, the showdown over Mr. Saab is the latest twist in the tense relationship between the United States and Venezuela. This has been going on since 2002, and it is against U.S. law and the U.N. Charter to interfere with the sovereignty of a government or its personalities. Um, relations between the United States and Venezuela in 2017 with Mr. Trump would uh, be the worst to happen. Uh, he did not rule out the option of uh, military, uh, the military option to squelch what he called the chaos in Venezuela, which is caused by U.S. sanctions. And then we go on to see that uh, uh, they continue to encourage rebel and met in the, in the Trump administration actually held secret meetings with rebel military officers from Venezuela to discuss their plans to overthrow uh, Mr. Maduro, the president. And in August, the United States seized then 1.1 million barrels of Iranian fuel that was headed to Venezuela in a high sea overthrow that blocked two diplomats from evading American economic sanctions. This is not a crime. This is economics and people trying to keep their nation alive. It's people alive with medicine, fuel, and and food. Tense relations between the U.S. and Venezuela is likely an arm is like an armed robbery. Uh, as tense relations with uh, to call the relationships between the U.S. and Venezuela 
pretense is like calling an armed robber and his relationship with the victim tense because this was literally an armed robbery. And the seizure of Alex, Alex Saab appears, in my opinion, to have been a kidnapping. And uh, the tactics employed against Venezuela for many years before it dramatically intensified its tactics is uh, barbaric. And it was really barbaric under Trump. And now President Biden is uh, to claim uh, jurisdiction over any use of the U.S. financial system, however incidental. And they're seeking out and trying to the banks. Now, the problem is, is that... Carly, one Carly, more Carly, you have 30 seconds to, you have 30 seconds to um, finish your comment, please. Well, you the international court... Well, the international court had sought to bring action against the United States, and it used its financial might to put pressure on the court to back down. I'm sorry you you had to interrupt me, but this was a very important comment. Thank you for your comment, Carla. Thank you. Brother uh, William, do you have a response to that? Hello, Brother William. We can't hear you. I'm sorry. Lee? Um, I just uh, want to say that her comment was very important. And also uh, mentioned uh, the the international relation is changing very quickly. And, and I'm very sure that in five years, no more than five years, maybe less than three years, the United States will not be able to sanction other countries like the United States is doing right now. Uh, as you know, the BRIC is creating their own currency. They are also exchanging with their own currencies. Uh, also, there are more than 20 countries that want to be part of the BRIC. And, and, and thanks to the sanctions, a big amount of countries right now are not using dollars. And and that's why the economy is also in United States in Bache, the inflation and everything is getting more expensive, not only because they are they are right now in war with Russia, but also because there are a big amount of countries that don't you know, don't want they don't want to use any more dollars. No one wants to be on the hands of the United States. <laughs> Okay, let's go to caller 1718. We could take caller. Your last four numbers are 1718. Your question or comment, please. 1718. Hello. Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, we can. Okay. Uh, I want to praise uh, William Kamakaro for his presentation today. He, uh, he really nails it. And... Um, you know, Alex Saab, is, a war crime is being being committed, was committed when he was when he was renditioned, which is a CIA term. Uh, it's otherwise known in the English language as as kidnapping. Kidnapping. Yes. And so, and then he was tortured. 
as William said to us. Uh, let me just say here, I, I'd like to read, if it's all right, uh, Lee, a list of the countries that are facing U.S. sanctions. Uh, it's just 25 countries. Shall I read the list? You got yes, uh, please. The, there are more than 40 countries. And and there is a website that you can check, you can check called well, Sanction Skill, and you will be able to see all the countries on their sanctions. Yeah, well, I have a different list, and I'm sure your 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 number is better than mine, um, so I I won't yeah, read the list. But read. no, uh, I I think for the nature of information, Lou, go and read the countries so other folks will be aware. This question, and maybe William could this. add to to this list if he would. Okay, Afghanistan, Belarus, Burma, Central African Republic, Cuba, Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, Hong Kong, Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, Libya, Mali, Nicaragua, North Korea, Russia, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan and the Darfur, uh, Syria, uh, Ukraine, Venezuela, Yemen, and Zimbabwe. William, could you add to that list, please? Well, you can, I can't ask, for example, Haiti. Uh, I don't have uh, you know, the list right now in front of me. I can't ask okay. Eritrea. Eritrea. Africa. Yes. Uh, in fact, there is a, a very wonderful interview made by the Chinese TV to the Eritrean president denouncing the sanctions. And he is one that he has a, a, a maybe a good lead because he mentioned several countries in the, in the interview. But also, yeah, there are a big amount of countries that are under sanction by the United States. And we need to be aware of that. It's, uh, I'm trying William, to yes. William, could you send the list in to uh, Africa on the Move Radio, and maybe they could post it there so that everybody could have it? Oh, yes, definitely. I'm right now looking for the list, and as soon as I get it, we'll send that to, to Lee. I will send the list to Lee, to Mr. Lee. If, if I may add, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Lou. I, I, I think people should understand what sanctions do on the ground to countries uh, where they are imposed by the U.S. They call these sanctions not only are punitive and are arbitrary, but they are designed to destroy the economies of the countries that are aimed at, they are aimed at. And, and to create hunger, starvation, a lack of, of medicine, uh, denial of medicine to, to those countries, uh, yeah. and, and blocking their trade with other countries, and, mm -hmm. and also travel to other countries by their citizens. All of this yeah. adds up to a very inhumane process, but it's not by accident. It's designed that way. By the U.S., these sanctions. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, definitely. 
It, it's like that. It's, it's made to basically, yes, to create economies, problems, and and basically the most horrible things about the sanctions is that countries that that have overcome certain medical issues, certain problems, and they will get those problems back because they don't have medicine, they don't have equipment. It's a very bad thing. Yeah, uh, for example, I, I, I got the list. For example, Mali, Mauritania, Moldova, Montenegro, uh, Palestine, Serbia, Somalia, so South Sudan, Sudan, Syria, Tunisia, Yemen, Zimbabwe. It's a big amount. Haiti, Iran, Iraq. It's a, a Laos, Lebanon. It's a big big number of countries. So this is completely unjustified and this is a crime against humanity. Okay, let's... Uh, ma, ma, Luke, did I hear uh, Lee said Lou? Is that the famous Lewis Wolf from Covert Action magazine? Oh, sorry to, to deny the famous part. Yes, uh, that is me, yes. <laughs> hey, my brother. Great my to brother, have you here. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. Loki. Happy to speak with you, yes. Thank you. Okay, let's go to call 6029. Call 6029. The mic is yours. Okay, uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Now, my question is this. Now, despite the, you know, criticisms from the African Commission on Human Rights and People's Rights, by the way, who ordered uh, Cape Verde not honor the extradition of Alex Saab, the UN Human Rights Committee, and a special rapporteur to the UN, the Prime Minister of Cape Verde, uh, Ulysses Correa, authorized the extradition of Alex Saab, violating legal processes to justify the legality of those extraditions. Now, I want to ask our guests, in your estimation, what might have been the Prime Minister's motivation for, ex- for extraditing Saab other than having a U.S. embassy placed there? Were there any indication money exchange hands? No, it was definitely economy. Uh, it was uh, money. Uh, basically, uh, they invest more than $100 million in the economy of the island. In those days, they, uh, Cape Verde was able to get also, uh, without paid money, all the vaccines. We have to remember that was in June 2020. So uh, then, and that was that happened in the 2020. So they were able to get. Cape Verde was one of the first country in Africa to get vaccinated. Um, also. Uh, the embassy. The embassy is one of the stuff also that they negotiate. And but was a lot of money also that they deliver to the government in Cape Verde. It was unusable really because they lost the election uh, after Alexa. That's another <laughs> another issue very interesting. The president that won the election before when he was running, he said publicly that he will he will release Alex Saab because uh, the the African Union court requests his release 
and then the uh, before the election, this uh, the president, of, the prime minister, and the president of Cuba, they basically uh, sent Alexa to the United States because they knew from the beginning that the new president will basically release him. You finished calling six zero two nine. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Can I, can I just add to that that not only did the United States pay off uh, Guinea Bissau, Cape uh, Verde, by giving them this development money, but they also threatened Verde by placing one of their warships on along the coast of Cape Verde as a form of a threat over this. And I, I think you should listen closely to William, who said that the president who was responsible for arresting Alex Saab and holding Alex Saab lost the election. And as soon as he lost the election, he immediately renditioned Alex Saab to Miami because uh, he knew that the incoming president would release him. Exactly. Brother Will, Turn. can you talk a little bit about, you said something earlier in your presentation on Interpol, how they use or claim to have used Interpol to hijack people and to trace people. Can you explain to our listening audience what is Interpol and who are the countries that make up that particular um, structure and that particular tool of oppression, I would say? Yeah. Uh, yes. He was. That's a. Uh, he was basically yes, uh, kidnapped, and without any um, order. There was not any order from the from the um, Interpol. What we know is that some of the members of the Interpol in Caber were former member of the DAA. Of USA, so they are what they basically were people working for some for United States there, and also as, as something that people should know is that the biggest community people know this the biggest community of uh, Cape Verdean in United States are in Boston and Massachusetts, and and the, and then there are is a the United States always has been using this island for uh, some kind of operation in Africa. So they have a big amount of uh, representation there. People that are working in different uh, USA uh, entities, like, you know, from the Army, from the different, you know, institutions in the U.S. So basically for them it was very easy to detain and kidnap 
Alexa because they have a lot of people there working with them. So that, that, that means that the Interpol, some of the members of the Interpol over there were also members of some of the USA uh, institutions. You know, I'm just curious in terms of William, when you talk about the case of Ali Saab, what kind of response or lack of response are you getting in terms of the media? Um, there seemed to be a blackout on this particular phenomenon. Can you talk about this whole question of the role of the media? Even though media that would consider themselves to the left and small media. Are they willing to allow y'all space to share and talk about the reality of this case, or are y'all basically being blockaded when it comes to this information on our brother Alex Saab? Well, I would say that there is um, uh, there is no empathy at all, and there is no the, the mainstream media doesn't mention Alex Saab case too much. Um, even programs like Democracy Now! never has done anything to about the about Alexa. Especially if you know that we are talking about about someone that is a diplomat and that is detained by the United States. But no, if there are there is a sometimes you will see that the mainstream media mentions Alexa, but then when they but when they mention Alexa, it's basically to stigmatize <laughs> him, uh, to make him look bad on front of the public opinion, and to also treating him like a criminal. But that's the only way when you see when you see something about Alexa, you will always see very negative statements from the mainstream media. About him. Okay, let's go to caller 4298. Caller 4298. The mic is yours. Yes, um, once again, we see the oppressor has will not respect any rights of the oppressed. Um, we see that, you know, kidnapping, um, the political economy is a superpower with finance capital is able to bribe and coerce and and um, pay off people to do its will. And this is a situation we're faced with in the U.S. And our only, our only weapon against it is organization and keep politics in command and um, and unite the many to defeat the few. And so so our Alex is a, definitely a victim of um, U.S. imperialism and uh, white power structure, um, domination of the world and the world's political economy. The U.S. is a superpower with, with money, and that's that's the secret to it. That's that's the secret to success, finance capital, and we we got to oppose it. Thank you. Thank you. Brother William. In terms of my understanding, and I want you to speak to this whole hypocrisy of the U.S. so-called legal system, when we look at the International Criminal Court, 
it's my understanding that U.S. is not a signatory of that particular institution. And they have even threatened that institution not to touch anybody who's working and collaborating with them. Can you talk just a little bit about the hypocrisy, Brother Will? Well, yes, there is a... There is something very, very interesting that's happening in the last uh, weeks. The the criminal, the International Criminal Court, just few days ago, had decided to uh, put in a blacklist President Putin. The President Putin is now in the list of the. Uh, of the Hague Court. And basically, uh, you see a bunch of uh, Republicans now that are celebrating the the International Crime Court and the Hague is basically condemning and and basically persecuting, they say, uh, Putin for crying against humanity. But the funny thing is, you remember that a few years ago, uh, some of those members of the International Crime Corps were sanctioned by the United States. <laughs> and, and basically, and, 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 and basically they, some of the members of the Republican, and also, I think there is been a statement from Trump saying that no court in the world had the right to persecute any American, something like that. So it's, now they are happy. Even the Republicans are celebrating this last move from the from the, the International Crime Court in the Hague because basically they celebrate uh, that they are acting against Putin. This is uh, very, very sad because they are talking like those organizations belong to them. And that's true. They have been using those organizations to do whatever they want and to implement all these wars that they have been implementing in the last uh, 30 years. So the entire legal frame, the, interna- the entire international legal frame that they create after the Second World War was created by them and belong to them and respond to the USA interests. So that's why uh, we cannot trust them. We cannot trust that international system. All right, let's go to Carlos, 7236. 7236, another question or comment, please. 7236. It's both uh, question and a comment. The question is, was the media and the news um, in the United States aware of Alfred D. Zayas, V-A-Y-A-S, a former UN investigator assigned to Venezuela, and the fact that he has spent years arguing that the U.S. violated the legally binding UN Charter and U.S. law by attempting to overthrow Venezuela's government. And according to the uh, the New York Times, 
in 2002, uh, it applauded uh, 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 the overthrow that temporarily ousted President Hugo Chavez. So my question is, uh, was the press aware of Alfred D. Uh, Zayas, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, and two other countries that are sanctioned include Venezuela itself and Honduras. Just yes, to add uh, to the list, that Lou Wolf and uh, Mr. William, and thank you so much, sir, for such a fantastic uh, show everyone and to Lou Wolf and uh, to you William uh, my name is Eleanor Johnson I'm very proud to be a part of this in short Venezuela and other countries suffer from U.S. aggression and can't wait for these world historic shifts toward a more multipolar world the U.S. United States will also have to change from within And when the Second World War Charter was set up, it is China, Russia, the United States, France, and Germany that are exempt from coming before the the court. And in my previous comment, I mentioned that the, the court was pressured by U.S. in holding back its finances if it investigated the United States for war crimes in Afghanistan. Yeah. So my question is, was the media aware well, of this uh, independent? And he was assigned to the Venezuela desk as well yes, uh, for the UN. I have, I have to say, Alfred Desaya has been writing a statement in defense of Alex Hub. He also has been in several webinars with us talking about Alex Saab and all the illegalities committed by the United States. And uh, I think that it's uh, one of those, uh, Alfred Desaya is one of those few big voices that still we have that denounce the, the empire. Um, the other thing is, um, yes, when he was talking about Venezuela, in fact, I'm right now in, in Venezuela, and when he came here, uh was a big news in Venezuela. But also when he published his founding, his research, it was something very important, but was something that stay in some academy circles and circle of the in some, some circle of universe, some universities and some places, very important places, but during, but the message didn't go or didn't get to didn't didn't get to the public, to the mass media. So the message stayed in some circuit and didn't basically went to the to the mass media and, and that's a big problem. When we get this kind of news, endorsing, for example, or supporting a government like Chavez or, or, or a government that is in conflict with the United States, basically the message stays in some small intellectual circles. 
Yeah. I don't know. Any more? Any any comments? Um, Boshi, any any comments you'd like to make? Yes. Well, I think that all of the statements that William has made really shows us, one, the role that the U.S. have in this respect in the rest of the international community. It shows us that there is no justice here and that justice is really dependent on the political motivation, not on equality and truth. And I think that all of this together shows us, again, that many people who are in the United States who are political prisoners are there only because of the political positions they have taken, not because of a crime or a so-called crime that they have committed. And these people deserve to be free, especially in a nation that claims to be the leader of the free world, yet they have more tooted in prisons, in jails, and in prison conditions like parole, etc., than any other country in the world per capita. And yet they talk about no freedom exists in different countries, but they are the perfect example of countries who have a distaste distaste for the people and a distaste for the international community who they feel they cannot control. And I think that what William said illustrates that clearly, and I'm sure that, you know, William was being humble and not really given us everything and you you know I'm sure he could say more as a matter of fact if you want to say more brother go ahead <laughs> okay yeah well uh, I just want to mention that uh, there are several other cases now of diplomats that have been arrested by uh, other countries uh, the arts, uh, I think, uh, I just was reading yesterday, three diplomats from uh, Russia have been detained by other countries working with United States. And and there are also some other uh, diplo- uh, Iranian diplomats that is having exchanged with uh, Saudi Arabia just, uh, I think, that yesterday. So this, this, is, uh, some, this is something new that is getting uh, common, that in the future will be very common. We will be seeing more and more diplomat detained. And the United States is basically showing off the path. So today, to, to the uh, United States showing the path to the international community. So that's what is happening now, this year. The Arab, I was reading seven different diplomats from different parts of the world detained right now and that's very very serious because that doesn't help to maintain peace 
and to maintain and to establish a normal and good relation among us. And we need really to to stop this, but especially to stop and I don't know how all this foreign policy that's coming from USA. Let me see if Carlos six oh two nine has anything else they would like to say for today's program. Carlos six oh two nine. Yes, yes, brother, thank you. You know, the, the level of uh, inhumanity, injustice that permeates the society is astounding. I'm often, you know, I often wonder, you know, what people in the world actually uh, perceive, uh, how they actually perceive uh, the U.S. in terms of, you know, its policies, both uh, nationally and, and locally. But anyway, my question is, 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 is this. You know, one of the things that it, 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 the guest and the host uh, uh, um, elucidated, they talked about the fact that, you know, that, you know, uh, you know arresting diplomats is, in fact, uh, uh, illegal. Uh, arrest or detention of diplomats is something that's been illegal for a very long time, well-establishing international law. Now, international law specifically defines four elements of defining what constitutes diplomatic status. Among them are one. Mission, mission, the mission is temporary. In this case, uh, Alex Saab was there only to conduct business. Secondly, state-to-state rec- uh, recognition of the visit. In this case, both Iran and Venezuela agreed to the visit. Foreign delegation. In this case, Iran expected Saab's visit. Fourthly, uh, host state must acknowledge visit. Iran embraced the visit, you know, of Alex Saab. And so when you think about it, uh, clearly Alex Saab's uh, uh, destination in terms of meeting you know, with Iranian officials met all those uh, criteria in terms of what constitutes a diplomat. Now, my question to the brother is, is this. To what extent do the masses of people in Venezuela fully understand the kind of the level of corruption, of um, the level of um, injustice that permeates the judicial system in America, is it is it pervasive? Do most people understand that, or is there still a struggle to come? Well, uh, the people don't. People, yes, people understand, and certain levels people understand that yes, there is a completely corrupt system, and and that's political motivated. That's something that people understand very clearly, and and you will see that in the country there are. All over events, uh, activities dedicated to Alexa, and, and the government explaining to the grassroots movement, explaining them what is really this case about, what is really happening, and and so the lot of people are well informed, and doesn't mean that they are very militant in the movement of Alexa movement. Means that. There are a lot of information out there here about Alexa's case. Nicolas Maduro has been requesting his uh, exchange. There is a, uh, uh, several, I think there's eight Americans detained in Venezuela, several of them coming from the USA Army. And Venezuela has been requesting an exchange for Alexa, especially for very a guy that is very well known that is called Leonard Fat, uh, Fat Leonard, and it's a guy that was basically working 
in the USA uh, con uh, doing contracts for the USA Army. And basically, he was uh, uh, buying all kinds of, of weapons and selling them, all kinds of weapons, and everything was overpriced. And he was organizing meeting with prostitutions and be orgies in, in, in Los Angeles and in, in San Diego. And this guy, to get all those multimillionaire contracts from the army, was organized those parties. So that guy was went to court, a military court, and then he was condemned and escaped. And he was traveling through Venezuela when he was detained. So Venezuela is requesting a change between Alexa and this guy called Pat Leonard. You can Google his name. And he's a guy that is completely corrupt and a huge amount of members of the USA Army are connected with him. So, yes, it's, uh, people understand that. Uh, and and, and the, the, for me, my big concerns in terms of what's going on with Alex Sass right now is that he is very sick and he's vomiting, and they are not doing anything to provide any medical uh, medicine or, or medical support. And this remind me, probably you remember, leading a store. Leading a store, there was an American lawyer that usually was defending political prisoners. She basically was arrested and condemned by the USA government. And, and she was several years in prison in downtown Manhattan in a federal court, in a federal prison there. And she was released when she had few months arrived. She was released, and a few months later, she died. And my impression right now is that they want to do the same thing with Alexa. They don't want to provide any, any medical care. They allow him to get very sick. And then at some point, they will, they will say that for... Um, some kind of humanitarian reason, reason they will release him. So this is very, that's my impression because they are not doing anything to, to, to really to help him. Carlo 1718, any additional thoughts or comments you'd like to make for today's program? 1718, Brother Lou? Yes, uh, Brother Lee. Um, brother by a different mother, I'm sorry, uh, I should add that. Uh, simply to say that one word applies to what we've been discussing and hearing tonight. It's called impunity. The United States considers that it has the right, the right, the, the self-described right to do whatever it wants to other countries in the name of whatever it's called, democracy or defending U.S. national interests. And so what is the result? The result is that the United States is, a, is engaged not only in publicly declared wars like that in, in Ukraine today or like in Vietnam, but in several dozen other countries where they're undeclared and unofficial wars. But that, is, that doesn't prevent the United States from imposing 
uh, its impunity on those countries uh, and resulting in, in starvation and death and destruction uh, of those cultures and, and those peoples. Uh, and, and so this is the pattern. This is U.S. Uh, US's history in the world. It's foreign policy. I would, I would end by saying I believe that, that Joe Biden will go down in history, that historians one day, long after I'm gone from this earth, uh, and many of your listeners, will go down in history as the worst president in this, in this nation's history. And that includes some pretty crazy ones, which we all know who they were. Uh, and that's a hell of a, a future to face. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Brother William, it's my understanding that you're the chairperson of the Free Outside Committee. Can you just talk a little bit about what task and role have y'all been given for around this case inside the U.S., and how is the work coming along in terms of getting support inside the U.S.? I'm sorry, I, I was unable to hear you. Well, can you talk about the, the responsibility of the Free LSI <laughs> Committee, and what kind of support have you been getting inside the United States around the LSI issue? Okay, yes, yes, yes. The LSI Committee is uh, is already in Europe, all over South America, United States. There are organizations working in in looking for the freedom of Alex Hub, but also it's more than Alex Hub really. It's it's the Alex Hub is the man a man that represents a country that is formed by 30 million people that are under sanctions by United States that are persecuted by the biggest empire of the planet that is looking for its destruction. So Alexa is more than just Alexa. It's, you know, people are fighting and they know against the empire and again they deserve or they or they're willing to destroy uh, Venezuela. I, I in the and and basically what can I say is that I believe that people should join us to this struggle. I'm just a member of the working in the Alliance for Global Justice. I feel that people can get in touch with us and get be part of this movement that is already in the entire continent and that will be organizing a summit this coming June 14 to basically uh, join forces with everybody that has been working in support Alexa three years after his kidnapping and Kbert, uh his first kidnapping. And so people are coming to Caracas from all over to basically uh, try to put something in place and to continue this fight for his liberation. So everybody is you know, invited to join us and basically to support Alex Tapp and to support Venezuela. Brother Will, can you humanize Alex Tapp a little more, at least share with the world 
a little bit about his family and his loved ones that he may have back home. Well, uh, yes, Alex, uh, I, I have to say that um, yeah, the movement, uh, the Alex movement is, um, is um, for example, is uh, uh, something that everybody, I, with, with something that with Alexa is identified is with the club. Club is the system of that provides food to the poorest communities in the country in a very cheap price, subsidized food. And that system was basically created by Alexa's support because the food was brought at that moment by Alexa and his team. And most of the people remember that when that happened, there was no food in place. There was, you know, the supermarket were empty. There, uh, and, and the food, uh, there, there was a huge scarcity in the entire country. And, and that was the first step to basically break the blockade, the sanctions against the Venezuelan people, but especially against poor people in Venezuela. That are the people that are suffering most because of sanctions. Uh, really, is uh, the sanctions is designed to make those that support the government of Venezuela to suffer. Women that are in the front line, and also elderly and poor people. Those are the community that support the Venezuelan government, and those are the people that are suffering more. And the Alexa. Uh, initiative was something that really helped those communities. I have to say, Alex didn't have to come to Venezuela. He was already a rich man in Colombia. He decided to come to Venezuela. He started to work with Venezuela during the uh, when President Chávez was alive and when President Chávez was organizing the housing program. So he started to work in the housing program with the Venezuelan government. And then when Chavez died and the sanctions were increased, more and more businessmen didn't want to do anything with Venezuela. Alex said not only that continue working with the Venezuelan government in the most difficult moment, but also was willing to break the sanctions to bring food, fuel, and medicine to the Venezuelan people. When basically, he didn't have to do that because he was already a rich man. So, and, and for a lot of people that know him very well, and they really believe, even some people in Colombia say, that know him from Colombia, that his father, that was from Palestine, was always spending a lot of money in the struggle for the, the Palestinian people. Again, the again this Zionism, and and basically he was part of the struggle. But a lot of people believe that when he see was able to see that the same thing was happening next door in Venezuela. That's why he moved to Venezuela, and he decided to become a Venezuelan citizen and decide to fight 
the USA blockade. You know, this last point, brother. Last point, brother. Can I just say one other thing, brother? Yeah. Before you go, uh, I just wanted to mention that in 2022, there was, in November, there was a conference in New York uh, that charged the United States with genocide. It was a conference of political prisoners. It was the Spirit of Mandela Conference. You can look it up on the Internet. It charged the United States with genocide. Most of the people there were from different political prisoners' organizations. And in that conference, they also passed a resolution demanding the freedom of Alex Saab. That's true. That's true. Well, I have to mention also, and I'm really um, very happy to say that, uh, let me see if I'm pronouncing his name well. Jolie, 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 Jolie. His name is, let me say, he's a political prisoner. He's a political prisoner. He was 50 years in prison and was a member of the Black uh, Liberation Army and also was a black former Black Panther. And so he's in, I don't remember his last name. Well, anyway, he's coming. He's someone that was, uh, it's around 70 to 73 years old. And he's um, uh, basically one of the former prisoner, political prisoner of the United States that has been invited to join us in this meeting to, to really see what we can do to free Alexa. I will, I will send his name to WhatsApp to everybody so you will be able to see what Anthony, let me see, yes, I have it. His name is but Anthony Leonard. Anthony uh, Anthony Leonard Bottom, and he's called. Uh, he have a nickname that everybody calling him. Uh, I have it here. Jolio. Jolio. Jolio is his last name. His nickname. So his Jolio is coming in. He's uh, oh, uh, very good connected with Oscar Lopez Rivera and other former political prisoners. And he is uh, basically coming in representation of the Herico organization. Great. Brother William, this is the last point and the last question we'd like for you to address for tonight before you make your final um, presentation on how the people can come and support this movement. Now, the question is, can you explain to the reality of, is there a U.S. policy as relates to sanctions against Venezuela, or really is there a blockade against Venezuela? I think in terms of using words, it's very important. There's a difference of just being sanctioned versus having a blockade. It's my understanding, not only there's, there's not a direct relationship, the U.S. is cutting off supplies and resources to Venezuela, 
but they have the influence and power to force other countries not to deal with Venezuela. So it's really a blockade more so than the sanction. Your response? Well, uh, well it's basically, um, yeah, this, uh, Venezuela is under sanctions. The, what those sanctions create is it's a blockade. Venezuela is unable to do, for example, Venezuela was getting a bunch of medical stuff just one month ago. And basically all those medical stuff that already Venezuela paid were robbed by the United States. They were confiscated by USA. Venezuela spent around $3 million on equipment for medical stuff and was basically robbed. The same thing by the United States. The same thing has been happening with some big uh, oil ships that Venezuela have been sending to other countries. Basically, they 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 stopped those big ships. They already have been three, and they uh, take the oil to United States. Uh, so they have been doing all that kind of stuff. For example, with Cisco, Cisco was a Venezuelan enterprise. The the entire Cisco cost more than thirty million dollars, and and they basically took over the the company, and now they are going to to put the uh, part of the infrastructure in option, so other oil companies can buy the the some of the refinery or the equipment of the company. So they are basically blockading the economy, sabotaging the company, the economy. It, it's also the, uh, the uh, creating a, a mess, an entire financial system, freezing the money of Venezuela, more than $25 billion of the Venezuelan government frozen all over the entire uh, financial system around the planet. So it's, it's an entire mess. So to create to trying to collapse the economy of Venezuela, to blame the Venezuelan government and to blame socialism. So as they are using everything, it's a multi, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a war that is using anything, everything that they can. You know, the electricity, they, if you remember, there was one, eight days without electricity all over the country. Can you imagine living in Caracas one week without electricity, living in a, in a building on the 20th floor that you have to go down to get water without electricity, living in the, in, in, in the big building six days, seven days? And the entire country was in that situation because the computers of the electric system were completely hijacked. So that's what happened here, and that's what's been happening constantly. There is any kind of a sabotage to the economy. Any kind could be anything. So that anything that can stop the economy, anything that can make people feel um, happy with the government, anything that causes problems, that's the United States always behind that. Then it could be for some people insignificant. Oh, the electricity. Yes, what United States? They hijacked the computer, 
And from one week, more than 30 million people didn't have electricity. So do you know? Do, do, do you have any idea how many people died during those days because there was no electricity in the country? That is the kind of stuff that we have to, at some point, see and, and put in numbers and how much that cost to the country and how many people died. That, so that's the work that United States has been declared to the Venezuelan people. And I feel that people have to understand that it's extremely serious what's happening and what this government has been facing for the last, uh, uh, you know, Chavez confront and fire and he faced very difficult situation. But what's facing President Maduro has been even worse. I feel that people have to to get to the to different website, get information, learn about what's happening in Venezuela, learn about Alexa. There is a that we have a big section of Alexa articles and the Alliance for Global Justice in English. And you can get a lot of information there. And and also you can go, uh, get videos and talk about other people talking about this case, but also talking about sanctions in Venezuela and how they are killing Venezuelan people. And I, I want know, to say brother. On that note, Brother Will, we'd like to thank you for sharing your perspective on why Alexander's case and international law. And we'd like to let you know that anytime you need an outlet to speak to the people, things that may be going on that's important, this media here is always available to you and your people. We thank you for sharing and telling the story. And at this point in time, we're going to turn the mic back over to Brother Bamboshi as the organizer for the All-African People Revolutionary Party. He'll make his final thoughts, and I will close out for my thoughts. Brother Bamboshi, thank you, Brother William. Thank you very much, yes. Brother Lee. I would also like to thank Brother William for not just his presentation here, but his consistency in always being on the right side of justice and in working harder than anybody else I know for the people of Venezuela. So thank you very much, my brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. And I see you over here soon. Brother Bear Boshi, how can they find out more information about the All African People Revolutionary Party GC? Uh, I think you may have that information, brother, but just go to our website at uh, aaprp-gc.org, and all the information is there. Okay. As Brother Balboche stated, that if you'd like to know more information about the All African Peoples, Webster Party GC, you can visit our website, which is www. A dash A P R P dash G C dot org. We also would like to remind you that uh, put this calendar date down. That's just the thirty first of this month of May. We will be concluding our activities for this month for African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, by having an interview with Brother Bob Brown, representing the Pay Roots, 
as he talk about the thing, God make no slaves in the womb. We talk about slave trafficking. We will have a very important interview with him. That's this Wednesday on 31st from 8 to 10 p.m. Put that in your calendar, spread the word. And we'll just like to remind you, Africa on the Moon is a weekly tele- uh, podcast. It's under the direction, the banner of the African Awareness Association. And we'd like to thank you for allowing us this opportunity to come to your homes this evening to speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. I'm Brother Africa. We'd like to thank all our participants. And we come and say that without information, you cannot thank. And without organization, you cannot thank clearly. Join the organization that's doing something to help liberate your people. If you don't join one or can't find one, we encourage you to be a one. But it's only through organization that will allow you the tool to defeat the enemy. So until next time, this continuation of African Liberation Day, under the theme, Pan-Africanism, Ways and Class Struggle in Africa and the Diaspora, Fighting for One, Unified Social Africa, we continue down that, down that road. And we look forward to seeing you next year. More importantly, we want to see you closing out this month on the 31st year at 8 p.m. So until next time, let's subscribe to go forward and backwards now. This has been Africa on the Moon.
corazón con que vivo Cardo mi oruga cultivo, cultivo una rosa blanca Oye, no me abro, pero no me pongas en el oscuro A morir 
y sigo respetando al rato de Puerto Rico, al cubano, al colombiano, mexicano y español. Pero lo de nosotros sale del corazón, con sentimiento, con talento, violento, ojo, no con armas, sino con conocimiento. El intelecto emana de los foros, te metes en internet y lo ves en los foros. Es sabiduría, aunque muchos locos piensen que son habladurías, pero que primero fondo la ciencia mía, para que después hablen como comadre chismosa. Yo te escribo en verso y en prosa, no soy Alice en el país de las maravillas. Estamos claros, te portas mal, te acribillas y te hacen papilla. Es que eso es obvio, o eres ángel o eres demonio, ni niño. O eres ángel o eres demonio, quiero ver a toda la gente con las manos arriba. ¿Dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba. Con las manos arriba, que viva la cultura con las manos arriba. El deporte con las manos arriba. Venezuela con las manos arriba. ¿Qué? ¿Qué? Sentimiento, sabor, rumba, corazón. La salsa retumba, retumba el tambor. No se te olvide el coropo, recuerda el folclor. Te lo digo el rap, crece la tensión. Ritmo caribeño, se siente el calor. Esta es música de calle. Al que no le guste que vaya a llorar para el valle. Es música con estilo. Tú estás claro, así que solo dilo. Criollas como comerse una arepa, volar papagayo, llámalo, cometa, tropo perinola, que te ruchen las metras, música venezolana y todo lo que se haga en Venezuela, no solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras, tan criollo como que te vean y te digan, epa, que te choquen las manos, al final del día, dale, hablamos, y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga. ¿Dónde está Maranta? El Amaranta y el Pinky, ¿dónde están? ¿No? La cantera.
Carry up there. Yeah. Carry up there. Yeah.
good it cause confusion, cause corruption, cause oppression, cause inflation, then good it cause oppression, cause confusion, cause corruption, cause inflation, cause oppression, cause confusion, cause inflation, cause oppression. Oppression, oppression, inflation, corruption, oppression, inflation. Them get one. You find some time to know where you are, but not where you want to be. Just take your time, really pace yourself, have a little bit of faith in you. You'll find, you know, and then you don't. You'll find that you feel it, and then you don't. It's only the beginning. Please don't sweat it. It's only the beginning.
Africa is where my heart lies.